Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Before meeting our guest, I'd like to remind you about our partners at Bet Online. They are the number one source for all sports betting needs this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends. When I'm doing all these things, you know, I, I like to uh, visit the website betonline.ag. If you don't like that, you can go on the mobile. I'll sign up that way through your phone. Um, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using my promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 98 of the podcast welcomes Taylor Bertolette, former Texas A&M kicker and a seasoned pro. He's played for nine organizations in the U.S. and Canada. And since, Bertolette founded Fourth Down Performance, a company focused on specialist training mindset and sports performance taylor it is an absolute pleasure to meet you for the first time and to have you as a guest it's a pleasure to meet you too dan i'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast i've listened to a, a ton of episodes and you know really learned a lot from other coaches and players in the industry so i'm, I'm glad to be here today with you you're that one dude that listens that's pretty cool i was always <laughs> in, in the analytics they don't tell you the name and you know the number so you can thank them but i appreciate you <laughs> to, to a few um it's it's timing right we want to talk about timing we want to start there uh, i think life uh, especially football is about timing where you are uh june is a good example um are you at the wrong school today you know if if uh you're at clemson but south carolina state offered you a full scholarship and you probably wouldn't play at clemson you probably should be at South Carolina State today, just to to make a presence, be there at the right time. Because if you're not, someone else is. And you played at the highest of levels. And I think in making several moves in your pro career, I'd like you to talk about like the highs, maybe at certain places and for what reason, and maybe some of the lows that not only you, but that athletes face when they attempt this transition to playing professionally. Definitely. Um, I think a lot of the guys that I train know that I'm candid open to talk about, you know, some of my failures, some of the lows that I've experienced throughout my career. You know, if a kid comes to me, I'm much older than they are. I have a lot more, you know, seasoned experience than they do. And they look up to you and they think of you as being perfect. You have a perfect technique. You've had a perfect experience. But most pro kickers like myself haven't had that experience. You know, we've had 
to experience some of the lows. I mean, I've been on ESPN, not top 10. Kids' jaws drop when they hear that. And I've got cut on hard knocks. I got cut on national TV. Um, people are surprised to hear that. And I've missed game tying or game winning field goals and have to deal with that and bounce back from that. Um, and what I learned as a professional is if you're good enough to play long enough, you're going to have struggle. You're going to have challenges in your career. You're going to have challenges for what you face. If you're good enough to play long enough, they're going to come. Okay. But what I've learned most importantly is that, Hey, learn from your mistakes, learn from your failures, failures, know that it's one kick at a time, one game at a time, one game doesn't define you. One kick doesn't define you because I know that I've had a lot of success too. I've honestly, at this point where my career, what we try to teach our kids is focus on your, your successes, understand why that happened. I'm trying to repeat success. I'm trying to figure out when I'm at my best kicking, what am I thinking about? What is my swing thought looking like? What is my technique like? Um, you know, what is my process that I go through and focus on that? So I've had a, lot, a ton of success in my career. I'm fortunate that I've had you know, more success than failures. And I think both are things that we have to learn from. I'd rather focus more on what I'm doing right than what I'm doing wrong. Um, to give like a personal and a recent example. Um, so I, I had my dream come true this past year. I kicked for the Chargers and my first you know, regular season professional game I played on Sundays. I got my opportunity and I go into my first game and I hit what wind up being a game winning field goal and won the game. You know, I got the game ball at the end of the, you know, in the locker room afterwards, it was completely surreal. Um, it, it's a, a moment that I'll never forget in my life. And I finally got my chance to do what I've sought after doing my whole life. Um, but leading up into that, I'm, I'm more worried about, okay, I had success. Why did that happen? Why was I able to step into a situation where not, I got signed in the middle of, of the season. Starting kicker Dustin Hopkins got hurt. I knew the coaching staff where I had a good experience in the past for where I've played. And they came in and called me in and I, I did well in my workout and signed me. But why did I kick well in the game? I want to know that answer. Um, what most people don't know is, you know, that Monday before I got signed. So on Monday, I applied to 21 part-time jobs trying to be a, you know, at this point it's time to, you know, figure out how, to, how can I make a living still and still being able to prepare as a professional kicker. So now I'm looking for other jobs to try to keep me, you know, keep me afloat while I can still train and do something part-time. And on Wednesday I get signed and on Sunday I'm playing in a game, but leading up into those moments, I did a lot of work on my swing and on myself. Um, and I started to study themes, themes for success. Um, I had actually a Panthers notebook. I was on the Panthers week one. There was an injury with, with Zane Gonzalez. And uh, I wound up being on their practice squad for the first week while they had they dealt with that injury. And I was writing down, you know, I was kicking well. I'll be candidly open. I was kicking well in my practice, but I wasn't being, you know, what I thought was elite, all pro. I wasn't kicking at my absolute all-time best. I was making you know, 95% of my kicks, but I wasn't happy with the result of what I was getting. So I needed to start writing down, why is this happening? And when I'm kicking at my best, why did the ball do what it did? I want to know that answer. So I start studying those themes, studying those themes. A couple of weeks go by and I start getting locked into, when I think about this, when I do this form, when I have this style of technique, I'm hitting an A ball. I need to repeat that. And before I got signed to the Chargers, it kind of all came into place. I went back to, um, you know, I got my workout and I started kicking well. And when I get signed before that first game, what do you think I go back to? I went back to those notes. 
I went back to exactly what was helping me make kicks and, and what helped me be in my good groove. So a lot of it's, you know, what I was doing in the dark that eventually came out into light. And I think that kids need to realize that, that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You're not always all going to kick well. And when you are kicking well, you need to study it. You need to understand why it's happening so you can repeat it. Man, I want to unpack that. And I just want to, I'll try to consolidate the way I would want to tell myself that to remember. But I think first is failure is never um, fatal, right? It can be fatal. People quit over those adverse moments. Like I missed a game winner. It was horrible. I missed a game winner at 15 years old. I was the youngest kid in the varsity team. And, you know, I, I was, I just was honored to be there. And I was a good kid. I wasn't cocky about it. Like I was very humbled from, from the experience um, before, obviously I missed one. So I was, it was just an awful, I mean, my granddad was there. I remember him hugging me first and it was just, oh, it hurts, you know, but I swear my best year I've ever felt like I was at the level I was, was the next year because I, I took that off season and that was a motivator. That wasn't going to be fatal for me. Now I think it is for some, and I want to go further. I think it's a personal thing that you and I have done and that specialists do is there's not enough instruction. We're not hitting baseballs. We're not throwing baseballs. Like we're trying to kick footballs. Very yeah. few, very few people in the world can correct you in the proximity you live, for example, like we were just talking pre-recording that there's, it's sparse, the population of, of talent and coaching and people that can fix one, especially a good, a kid that's good on his own, but wants to become better. That's dangerous territory. Cause that kid has, has a personal process that he's developed. And if you can't make some subtle adjustments to decrease variables, you probably shouldn't touch that kid. Mm -hmm. but, right. I, I firmly believe that's why I'm, I work hard at what I do. And so do you is, we don't want to dissuade anyone from, from being great by giving them bad instruction. We want to give them, we want to expedite the process and we want to be able to identify the pitfalls, right? The things when you're not, when things aren't going so well, go back and look at your notes. And I, that's what I want to end on. What you said is I realized, and I had to embrace technology more in the last 10, 15 years too. I, I want my kids to be meticulous and having their phones charged and filming often, even if it's drill work, right? Because I want to be able to look at a, at a ton of angles and, and, and different moments in like each, each drill, each progression and be able to look at weight distribution and then linear patterns. And how are you using that counter arm? And when are you, you know, when are you drawing it for all these things that we could compartmentalize? I don't think kids reflect after they get off the field. And I think that's the danger in it all. And that's the waste of time. And that's the hindered progress or the rate in which you progress if you don't account for it and reflect on it, like, like you're in, in, in school, we have to, if we want to retain the information to pass the class. So we, we know these things. I think that we treat it differently. And I think it's no different. I think everything in life is the same. It's a matter of what it is you're doing. that's different, but you've got to have a process. You've got to be meticulous. You've got to be competitive and you've got to be kind to yourself, which I think that you have been. And I want to touch on, maybe we'll go there for a sec before I move on to the next question is, how are you? How did you learn to become more kind to yourself in moments of short-term failure? Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that kids have to realize, players have to realize, is you know you're not going to be able to perfect your kick. It can't be perfected. All that happens is you learn how to kick, you know, closer to an A ball every single time. You're not going to have a perfect kick. It's never. You're, we're not perfect. We're, we're human beings, and mistakes happen. So when you accept that and you understand that. 
you now know it's okay to like, Hey, I can, I can make kicks with a B plus ball. And I'm not going to freak out over the fact that it wasn't an absolute perfect ball right down the middle. I'm making kicks and I'm going to try and repeat that. And I think that when you, when I was younger, um, I, I was, you know, a top ranked kicker. I was, you know, on, on most people's boards and number one ranked kicker in the country coming out of high school for, take that forever you want. And then we both have our own opinions on how rankings and star systems can be, you know, can have flaws, but I was a good kicker and I wasn't, I thought that I could perfect the kick that I could, if I had perfect technique and I, I over, you know, and just maximize every single thing I did in my technique that I would admit there was no chance where I could miss a kick. Well, guess what? There is, there's chances <laughs> that things can go, you know, get in your way mentally in terms of the snap, in terms of the elements that, that you're playing in. It, it's a hard, kicking is a hard game. And when you accept that it's a hard and a challenging task and that you have to be mentally tough, um, I, I think kids are on the right path then, but you're not going to be perfect. And I think that you have to be able to understand that. Um, especially as a younger player. And there's social media out there now that all people see is perfect kicks and perfect results. And I'm sure that the, that they're definitely not uh, only kicking with the wind or the back. You know what I mean? It's, it's all these things that add up into making people feel like they can't make mistakes. But if you talk to any real professional kicker, they'll tell you just how hard it is. They'll tell you, you know, the, the route that they've had to go through and the challenges and the adversities that they'll have to face. They'll be candidly open about it. So I think we have to expose our younger players to that. Yeah, it's being, I think it's tough. Like you mentioned the social media, which I think you do a great job on, um, but it Thank does, you. it shows everyone's um, a plus days, you know, it's a, it's a highlight reel, right? It really is. It's like, if you could have a music video of your life, that's really what's presented. Right. Um, and it's unfortunate because girls, you know, I have two daughters and they'll be 13 soon. And then Instagram or whatever, the, the app of the day is um they're going to be influenced by girls that 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 look beautiful all of them every yeah. single every single girl looks flawless today and we, we don't remind ourselves that that's edited and that who knows you know and yeah. it's just dangerous dangerous territory but i want to go back to your what you do on there and i think it's wonderful is the monologues like when you're talking to the kids whether it's i don't know if it's pre or post training it doesn't matter your message is what matters and I want to get into that. Like I learned today or this a few days ago that you have a background, like you have a master's in sports psychology. So these aren't just uh, things you read in a book, you know, which isn't a bad thing. It's kind of what I have to do, but you still, I studied finance. You studied the mind, especially, especially the mind and how it relates to sports. Um, I imagine this helped like your journey, but I want you to elaborate on like how it helped you not only as a player, but also as the coach. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, I appreciate you asking this question. Um, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when I was a younger kicker. Again, I was a super talented guy. I, on my first day going out in eighth grade kicking field goals, I was hitting 50 yard field goals. I, I just had, you know, I was able to kick football as well for a long period of time. And I was always, you know, the, the first ranked kid, you know, the, the number one on kickoffs, I, you know, win field goal competitions, I never really experienced any sort of failure. And then I go and kick at Texas A&M in my first year. I underperformed. I didn't kick well. And I started missing kicks that I would have, like, never missed in my training. So, and I was a pretty technically sound kicker. Like, I had pretty – I would look back at that. I would say it was solid technique. Um, I had more leg talent than I even knew what to do with it. But I, I would miss things like extra points. I'd, and I'd make, like, 55-yard field goals. So, it didn't make sense. Why am I making 55-yard field goals? but missing a 31 yard right hash kick. 
Like, how is that possible? So I started to understand that, okay, there has to be something else going on here. And what for me, it wound up being mental. I had to accept the fact that my mental game wasn't allowing me to perform. It wasn't that I was, you know, so nervous that I couldn't, you know, uh, handle the pressure of kicking in front of 100,000 fans at Texas A&M. Every game that I played in at A&M, we had over 100,000 fans, and very few were under that. So it's big-time football on the biggest stage. My quarterback was Johnny Manziel, so we scored a ton of points. I'm kicking a lot. I'm kicking off a lot. I was thankful to be exposed to this experience. But now you have someone who's not kicking at their, at their potential. And, for me, again, it was mindset. For me, it was an inappropriate thought for the moment. I was too technical in my thoughts. We call it paralysis by analysis in sports psych in the layman's terms of it. It's just overthinking. Um, I was I wasn't trusting my technique. So I started to get exposed to that when I was in, in college, worked with people on it, and I loved it. And then from that point on, my career kind of skyrocketed in college where I started making kicks and I started being the player that I knew that I always was. Um, so I, not that I had like a major problem or sickness or anything like that. I just knew that I was a good player and I got to figure out how I can let this come out. So I, by the time I was a junior, I would say in college, a junior or senior in college, I decided that if kicking in the NFL doesn't work out, I think I'm talented enough to give this a run. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to get my master's degree in sports psych because I believe in this so much. I want to be I want to be there for somebody else who might go through something that I go through. And then I also want to be someone to, to show the way of like, here's how elite thinkers perform, you know, elite performers think. I want to, we studied that and we, we got, you know, dive deep into that mindset and be able to share that. So it's not just all problem focused for me. A lot of it became performance focus. You know, I, I, I invested even more into it as I kicked well. So I got my master's degree in, in sports psych from Cal state Fullerton. And, you know, I was, I got signed coming out of college. I, I kicked for the Rams coming out of college in preseason. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. And had a good preseason. I won 100% in, in, in games. I kicked really well in camp and I get released. Um, I get released on hard knocks, like I mentioned. And then within 24 hours of playing the Denver Broncos, I mean, I'm on TV playing. I was in grad school right up the road at Cal State Fullerton. Unfortunately, it was in the same state in the same area where I wound up getting my degree. So I was there for two and a half years. And I, I would go actually back and forth between getting my degree in studying sports psych. So all I was focused on was learning what is the mindset that I need to have to perform? What is the mindset of the best athletes in the world? What does that look like? What do they do? What do they think? What is their process looking like? And what are the skill sets that they do? So I try to develop that within myself. And then I worked on developing that with the athletes that I would train and coach and my internships all throughout my grad school experience. So I would basically go learn it. Then I go apply it to myself. I train it for the for the athletes that I was fortunate enough to, to be in contact with, and then I would use it in, in my games. So I think since I got exposed to sports psych, I've kicked better. I'm a better kicker now than I ever was was without sports psych. I, this is something that I needed, so I'm committed to this. When I'm done playing football, my ultimate goal is to utilize this in some way, whether it's a full time sports psych consultant 
or just being a coach who has, you know, this knowledge of this experience. So it's not just, you know, like, like you mentioned, it's not just book knowledge where I read it in a book, like I'm experiencing this. Um, I'm having success with this on the highest stage. I'm at, and I've had, expo- you know, I've been exposed to failure on the highest stage and being able to go back to the, what I've learned in school, go back to what I've learned from my professors and some of my professors have been, you know, some of the high, high, highest touted um, sports site consultants in the world. So I'm so fortunate that I've come across the people that I've come across, the teachers, the educators that I've had in my career so far have been amazing. And without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I know that for a fact. I needed you for sure when I was playing because I couldn't be outworked. I love the weight room. I, yeah. I was a soccer player. My dad's from England. He didn't really know about American football, so he didn't respect it at first. So he made me do both until I was like a junior. And then he saw the opportunity. So he was a proponent of it all. You know, he, he let me let soccer go because the risk of injury finally, but it was a good background to have. But my point is my dad was hard nosed. He grew up poor. He had to earn it, you know, um, to get over to this country. And he, he was very, very talented athlete, but he never, I guess was mentally weak per se, or, or didn't allow, or didn't show it when he was an athlete, but I had vulnerabilities because as we mentioned, we miss big kicks or we, we have, we have the best moments like you getting, you know, acknowledged in the locker room of the game ball. It's no in between though. Mm-hmm. Like a kicker, if, if a general NFL fan said, how'd your kicker fantasy do? He never really says he did. Okay. Yeah. He, he did awesome or he sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's dangerous, right? That's kind of like being a saver in baseball who are also notorious for being mental midgets they don't have an okay day. They win or lose. And I think that's us. And I mean, we picked it, you know, and I didn't have anyone like you. So when I got to Miami, I thought if I'm lead the leaderboard in the weight room and I just keep working and doing more reps out there. I'll work through my deficits. But I think, I think looking back, I had mental deficits and I was hurting myself physically trying to work too much. You know, trying to work through adding on the workload physically to avoid the mental adjustments that I think are necessary. I think they're both. It's a combination. And if they're if they're not fused well, you're probably not going to be your best performer. Um, And so I I listen to your stuff and I'm going to continue to. And maybe you could help me, uh, you know, as a coach for sure with the mind, because I still am a harsh critic of myself to 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 a detriment, like to a fault for sure. I, I think it's unhealthy the way that I hold myself to the standard that's almost unattainable because I think it'll get me get me there faster. Well, it's kind of dangerous, right? I wouldn't want my players to do that. Like that's what you said, right? Yeah, I'd say you know I kind of want to I want to counter you for a second here too, and I, I want to make a, a bold statement. I think if you're going to decide to be a kicker, especially at the at the bigger stage, let's say you want to be a collegiate kicker and let's say you want to be a collegiate kicker for guys who are on national TV every single weekend, like I was like that, like we were right. Yeah. It takes guts to do that. It takes guts to go out into the field (laughs) and say, I'm going to line up and make kicks. It takes guts to line up for a game winning field goal. 99% of the people do not want to be in that situation. In fact, almost everybody in the entire stadium doesn't want to be in that situation. So first off, we need to honor that. Every single kicker who kicks in pretty much any football game, but let alone the bigger stage games, man, it takes guts. Yeah. It takes a lot of, of, 
of nerve to go out and say, I want to do that. So if you're, if you're, you put in the same token, you need to be able to prepare yourself for those moments. You do. And what I hear from you, it's like, it's similar to how I was. We just put something out on this in terms of being like a practice player versus a gamer and kicking is a technical game. That's what part of our core philosophy is teaching technique. Kicking is such a technical game, but the mindset, I like saying this, the mindset that brings skill in is different than the mindset that lets skill out. Okay. So what we need to think about what we need to, you know, our focus for bringing in skill, meaning working on our technique is going to be very technical. But if you start thinking a ton, once you develop that technique, once I have that locked in and I go into a high pressure game situation, which is what kicking is, and you're overthinking something that you already have ingrained in, it's again, it's back to that paralysis by analysis. It's you're reinvesting in something that you already have done. And I think that is where kids get into trouble. We call it training versus trusting mindset. Training mindset is bringing skill in. Trusting mindset is letting skill out and figuring out ways. How can I let myself do what I already know how to do? That is what we have to train our kids on. How do we do that? And that's what we do within sports like is give people skill sets, give people philosophies, teach them, kind of show them and guide them on on this, because most kickers are actually really good. Most kickers are not mental midgets. They say they are. But listen, it's just that they need a little bit of guidance. And we have to as coaches, as people who have been through this before, it's our responsibility to guide these kids. Sure. It is. Yeah, I, I will take that back. I was kind of making fun of myself. I no, consider, no. consider myself a mental midget. Um, because I felt again, I felt like I had control over it, but I wasn't, I wasn't using the right tools in the toolbox to fix the problem. I was using the same tool for a different skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought I could work through it. And that was, you know, it's like it's not doing it the, the smartest way. I love working smart. I think working hard yeah. is what I try to avoid. Um, so in, in pre-recording, we also talked about quote unquote the total specialist development. Um this includes what you're mentioning now. There's technique and there's a there's a mindset. And then there's also this component of sports performance. Um, these are the elements that, that you um, and your service provides and is founded on. Can you discuss how each of these elements complements the other and um, why is each essential to a long-term success? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, when we started our, our company about a, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I want to think about, okay, what do we believe in and what do we want to coach? So we want to coach people on their technique. That's a given. Kicking's a technical game. We want to coach people on their mindset because you need to have a great mindset to allow yourself to have success. We've been talking about that for a while. But you also need to be able to have a strong leg. And that's where the whole sport performance comes into. So we basically, I don't know if we coined this term, but what we start thinking of, let's call it something. Let's call it total specialist development. That's what we do. We're developing the entire player. Um, And I think you can have, you know, you can start looking at it this way where you can have a great swing, you can have great technique, but if you have a weak mind or a weak leg, you know, you're, you're not going to be as good as your competitors. You're not going to be as good of a player that you think you want to be. And the vice versa, you know, you could have, you could be a, a meathead in the weight room, right? You could love lifting. You could be an incredibly motivated person and be competitive, but that doesn't mean you're going to kick well. Sure. You know, I think that we have to work on our techniques. So you see, I see these players, um, all throughout the country. And, and it's for us, it's about trying to do our part to train them on all that, to try to, to be a resource for all three of those areas. Um, I'm fortunate that my fiance, we just got engaged a little over two months ago. We've been together for five years now. Um, she's a division one strength and conditioning coach at Seton Hall. So she's been at Clemson University. She's been at the University of Maryland for their football program for a year. 
um, doing her internship. So she's had the right education, the right experience. She's worked with specialists at the division one level and she trains me. She trains, she's been training me for, for about five years now since we met and we've bounced and springboarded ideas off of each other of, okay, I'm five foot nine. I weigh 195 pounds. I'm not, this is what I'm, this is what I'm given. I have to be able to work with this. I need to be explosive. I need to be strong. I need to be able to recover right. I need to have the right flexibility to maximize what, who I am and my potential. And she's somebody who's helped me do that um, consistently. And she's, again, she doesn't know all the answers, just like I don't know all the answers in terms of mindset, but we work together on it. And then try to be a resource for kids who really don't have exposure to professional coaching on this yet. So she's has all the qualifications that any strength coach can have. And this is what she does for a full-time living. So if, you know, people were to be a fly on the wall in our conversations in our, in our apartment here, they'd probably laugh because all we do is talk about, you know, you know, what we're doing for our training for the day. And when I'm going, I go to Seton Hall every day and do my workouts in there. So she runs me through my workout. She's my coach. She's my fiance, but I'm so fortunate to have her be my coach as well. So I think knowing that this is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And, and you know, I'll say it candidly, I love her. Um, she'll probably get embarrassed when she hears that, but you know, uh, that I'm talking about this publicly like this, but we have, a lot of knowledge and experience. We're just trying to utilize what we, what we have learned, what we've got educated in, what we spent our time in and our resources in, and then give that back to the younger kickers. That's what, that's what our goal is. It's rare, uh, but you see it like in Olympics a lot. Like I'm a huge summer Olympics guy my whole life. I really, you know, I like the winter too, but I really, really enjoyed the track and field and stuff. Um, but a lot of those high level sprinters and distance runners their coach is their partner right because yeah. it's just uh it's a it's a 24 7 resource i think it's brilliant um it's neat my wife helps people in a different way we she's not in the football world but she's a speech therapist and she works with like peds that have like pediatrics that have like major issues because her younger brother had a cleft lip and palate and she used to go to these speech camps, fell in love with it, and she really never looked back. She she went as far as she could with it at Florida. She's like a three-time gator, two-time gator. Um, blah, I'm a king. <laughs> anyway, uh, not, not, a big, not a big gator fan. I, I love her, too. I don't love that. Either. Well, to, to springboard off of that, Katie, my fiance, she wants Alabama, and I want A&M. So we, we have our own, our own robberies oh, just like geez. that there. So got a lot of common. That's fun then, as long as it's healthy, right? That can get up yes. pretty quick, but back to I'm glad you're married to her. Yeah. Um, I feel like we, I, I wanted to ask you like a last question. You know, kicking industry is very competitive. There's, there's a ton of LLCs, you know. Um, and I think most really are reliant on the evaluative side. Like they want to bring a kid in, let the kid do what he does. Um, and hopefully like give them a credible enough ranking or star to where they could market or promote the athlete via their service. Right. Um, but I think that very few um, kids seek out people like us who try and dig a little deeper with the training and development side. What I try and encourage my guys to do, because I know my guys are going to go Taylor. I know they will. I mean, because why wouldn't you? I, you did. I, I didn't exist when I was around, but if, a Chris Saylor or a Jamie existed, then I would a thousand percent go because I want to see how I stacked up. Like I get it. But what I try to tell my guys that I see on a year round basis is look at the standard. Do you meet the standard? 
if you don't meet the standard of a high performer at that particular event or a showcase, why don't you wait until you meet the standard? Because you're not going to walk in that day and beat the standard if you've never met the standard in training. Mm -hmm. So I'd like you to share some of your training philosophies, how you prepare your kids for not only those ranking camps, but like right now what's going on, these big moments in June when they can get in front of the staff themselves to see if, if in fact, maybe this kid could play here. What do you do in in that? What's your philosophies and in, in the preparation? I know we've talked about the yeah. elements, but how do you kind of mold all this together? How do you allocate time for each? Is all of it done on the field in the same session, the same day, or is or, or do you have something kind of in place that you guide them through in a curriculum set away? Yeah, certainly. So yeah, I think we'll you know our company is never going to be a ranking company. We're never going to be you know the star system. I work. I'll just be open about this. I worked for for Jamie Cole for ten years, um, so I have a lot of experience and respect actually for for the Coles for Coles. Um, and I think that somebody has to do it. And I think that you know that there's not a perfect way to do what they do. So you know when we came out of high school, it was yeah, see how you stack up, see how you um, are you know what are you, you know, what does your competition look like? And if you're not that yet, yeah, it's time to go back and get work. And what I believe in as a coach, you know, as kind of doing my own thing now is, Hey, look, the best players are going to get recruited. That's what's going to happen. So we need to train players to be the best players. We need to give them the best coaching possible. And a lot of that is in smaller group focus. A lot of that is in private sessions. The best players get recruited period. Sure. So sure. we need to get, and, and here's the thing, like you could get, I'm not saying you can't go to the, the big can't system and still get recruited, but like, Hey, look, if you're getting great training and you're, you're, you know, making strides in your technique, you're working on your mindset, you're getting strong in the weight room and you show up to a big, you know, division one camp and you crush it and you're the best player there. You're probably going to get recruited. Amen. Yeah, that's how I got recruited. That's how, I mean, I didn't, I never got an offer. I just said I was the number one player in the country back in 2011. I did not get an offer because of my ranking. I got an offer because I won in, in one kicking camps. That's how I got my offers. I flew around the country. I figured out what camps need to kick, you know, what schools needed kickers. And then I started getting offers, but it was, it was, you know, results. It was, it was doing well. It was having good technique. It was being, if I did miss in front of a college coach, which I did, it was making my next one. In fact, Mike Sherman said when he offered me my scholarship, the reason why we offered Taylor was he missed his first kick. And then after that, he made every single kick after that. He didn't react to his, he didn't react to his miss. And that showed me a lot because guess what? One day he's going to miss in front of a hundred thousand fans and I need to make his next kick. Yeah. I remember, I remember the head coach saying he came flew to my house and told my parents, this is what we offered him. So it was, yeah, did I kick well? Absolutely. But it was performing well in front of these coaches. It was having, you know, being the, being the best that you can possibly be. So, yeah, I think there's, there's value to these bigger kicking camps and there's a lot of value to what we offer in the smaller, in the smaller deals. Um, I'll say this too. This is not to, you know, so it might sound like self-promotion, but I'm just, I got to get it off my chest um, because this is how I, this is how what, what we do within our business is I don't coach more than six players at one time. We have a system right now where I coach six players and I think if I had 15, 20 guys on the field at one point in time, I'm not going to make an impact on 15 or 20. I can make a good impact on like six or seven guys, maybe eight guys max. But right now we're coaching six. That's our cutoff limit. So we're actually losing tons of money every single weekend because I'd rather invest all of my time and energy into the kids that I can possibly get that I can coach when I'm on the field. But once I have a ton of people on the field, 
um, I start wondering, you know, how can a coach possibly train this many kids? So we completely um, flip-flop what I think a lot of people do. And I think, unfortunately, kids see a ton of play, uh, players on the field at one point in time and, and say, wow, that can't, must be great because look how many people are out there. I look at that as a coach and say, man, there's no possible way they can give as they can be the best coach that they can for that many people. It's not possible. You don't have that many eyes. You need a lot more help. Um, and then if you hire great help, that's fantastic. But a lot of the reasons why people come out and train with us, because they're looking to get trained by you, not by somebody else. So I think, I think that there's gotta be a balance to how much, even within our small group stuff and, and the people that we train, like there's gotta be a balance for our, our kicking coaches nationwide to not have massive groups where we're trying to show off how many kids we have and be way more interested in actually making an impact with the, the few amount of kids we have on the field and try and change their life. That's what they're coming out to you for. You're trying to, you know, help them change their life, their family's life, give them guidance. And if you have too many kids, you cannot do that. I think you have to, you know, that's how we evaluated ourselves. So we want to do it, do it from that system, from that viewpoint of, of practicing, um, yeah, just not having too many kids in the field at one time. So I'd say too, like in terms of like what we train. So when we're out in the field, um, we don't just do, you know, technical training drills. So we don't just have drills that work on technique. We do drills that work on performance too. So, you know, like we've mentioned before, you could be a technically sound kicker, but you might not be able to make kicks in games. Sure. So we need to have drills that we do that work on performance. It's not just all technique. It's getting kids to learn how to compete. It's getting kids to learn how to perform. And I think a big part of, so that's, you know, kind of where we, I think we might differ, differentiate between different coaches or different bigger systems is that we have the ability in these small group sessions to actually let kids work that, to learn about themselves, learn how they perform. Um, and I think that you can do that in that smaller setting. I'm not trying to piggyback or echo you, but it might be the, I couldn't agree more. Keep it simple. And if you look at my history, I've never been a big number camp guy, um, but it's weird per capita, the amount of kids that I've had that have experienced success. Um, and I think people like you, I like, I don't know, like when, when I had Cairo come through it was a big help because it made the Sunday kickers like, oh, so you're organically grown through one guy. That helped a lot, but it took a lot of hard work or it took like your mindset. If I would have had 20 to 25 kids out instead of five or six when Cairo was around, Cairo wouldn't exist, in my opinion, because Cairo would have been good. Cairo was an excellent ball striker, but he was a soccer player from Brazil trying to acquire English as a language. I had to convince him to stay for his senior year because he wasn't quite there yet. And he also didn't know what he was getting into. He didn't even believe he had a chance. Um but it was just really fortunate that my receiver coach in Miami took the job at Tulane and he was a March offer. He was going to go to Mulberry, a D three school until April or something, March or April, maybe early April. And people don't hear these stories like, you know, oh, he's one of the best kickers in bears history now, but he was a D three kicker well after the last opportunity to sign and was okay with it. Right. He had that mindset where he didn't even know how good he was and probably a good thing. Right. Because he, he just worked like he wasn't very good, always. And you probably know him. He's a great human being. He's one of the hardest working kids I've ever met in my life. And no one more modest about their ability. Nobody. Um, and that's that's just a dangerous combination. When you have the ability and you don't care, right? 
Yeah, I, I uh, I'm going to springboard off that too. Cairo is one of the, the 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 greatest guys that I've competed against. So me and Cairo competed against each other at the Jets. He was actually dealing with an injury at the time, and I'll never forget that experience because we were able to communicate, and he shared so much um, about what helped him kick well. A lot about his mindset. A lot about we talked about technique. We actually talked about you. Um, we had we had discussions that we were willing to share with each other. And we were both getting better because of it. And I'll, I'll forever be grateful for Cairo Santos for the things that he shared um, with me while he was, you know, while he was injured. He, had, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And I think that, you know, that showed a lot of confidence in himself that he's still willing to share with the younger player who were both gunning kind of for the same job. It shows a lot of confidence in Cairo that he was willing to do that and share that. So now, because I got experience to Cairo and he was willing to share with me, I'm able to share what Cairo said to me to every kid that I, I encounter. And that's what I'm doing. I want to, you know, what did I learn from Brandon McManus? What did I learn from Greg Zerline? What did I learn from Jason Myers? What did I learn from Cairo? What did I learn from Dustin Hopkins? The first day I got to the Chargers, Dustin came right running right over to me. Hey man, so great to you know have you here. If you need anything, you know, let me know. And we talked for hours on our mindset. We talked for, you know, I was there for a couple of months. So we're able to talk about technique and, and just, Guys who are willing and open, the pros who are, have been willing and open to share things with me, I've been able to give that back to the kids that I coach. And that's the coolest thing. Let me tell you what Dustin taught me. Let me tell you what Cairo taught me. And then kids, again, let me tell you what I do. Kids' ears perk up when they hear that because they look up to these players. So I'm so fortunate that I've had great people that I've competed against. And I think when people are really closed-minded or they're not willing to share, again, I think it's just – Maybe there's insecurity there. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to dive deep into that. But the guys who are super confident are willing to share. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident I'm willing to share. I think all those people that you just mentioned, including yourself, they didn't resent other success, yeah. right? They celebrated it because they kind of aspire to do the same things, right? I want to experience that. If I haven't done what he did, I want to, I obviously want to do it too. And I'm not going to get there by resenting what he did. I'm going to maybe go pick his brain maybe go see what his his process was because he probably was where I was right now at some point because I'm close to that, but I think I can get there. And I think a lot of people shut others out and, and compete, if you will. And, and it's okay to be competitive, but it's also okay to do it in the right way. You know, um, we can yeah. learn through competition. I want to be able to, to have a guy like you where I can go do anything you kill me in golf that day. I'm not going to be mad at you about it. Right. I want to, I want to beat you next time, but I think resenting other success will never give you your own. It will never help get you your own. Yeah. So I just, that's what you made me think of when you just told those, those little allegories about those guys is they didn't resent it when they weren't there. And then when they were in the position that they got it, they wanted to give back. And I think that that's, just, it's a beautiful thing that it should be modeled more on social media. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And all those guys too, all the, all those guys had, you know, different philosophies in the way that they think different swings, they had different technique, but they were all uniquely, it all uniquely worked for them. So it's not like, you know, we don't all know the answers, but a lot of us have stuff that we believe in that we go through. And it's been so unique to see that, Hey, not everyone's going to do exactly the same exact thing in terms of the way that they think in terms of the way that they look at their, their technique and, and try to do, what they do within kicking. So that's, that's the unique thing too, is that 
everyone has their own path, their own unique path for success. And that's what I think great pros, they understand that and they're, they're okay with sharing it because they understand that what works for me might not work for you, but it could. There's some things that within that, that I think there's fundamental concepts that do work for everybody. So that's been, a, it's been a cool thing to see that. Yeah, expose yourself to as many ideas you want and, and it's like a la carte, right? Pick and choose what works for you and, and you got to synthesize it and with, yes. and, and it's okay to fail through a lot of them and extract them, you know, get rid of the things that don't work for you because they, just because they work for somebody else. Um, it means a lot uh, to everyone here at Fourth Down Focus that Taylor Bertolette was able to share information that will benefit us both definitely on and off the field. Um, I really, really appreciate his time. Please give us a five-star rating review, subscribe to the show, share with a friend. And if you have questions, suggestions for some topics or guests that I've not addressed, uh, you can reach me in several ways. Um, my website is fourthdownu.com and on social media, I'm at fourthdownu, the letter U. Um, thanks again for joining us uh, at Fourth Down Focus presented by Bet Online, and we'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope this summer is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.